down a little bit. You're going to see what you're praying for. What have you been praying for? You've been seeing it in the spirit, but this is talking about a tangible expression. You're going to see what you're praying for. My God. And then I love it. It says, you know, when we release the supernatural. Because <clears throat> some of us have been praying for some big things, haven't you? But it's not bigger than God. So it's just releasing the supernatural. This is what and who we're connected to. Man. And it's just about time, not that it hasn't ever left, but even more for greater of the supernatural to be released. We're not talking about spiritual gifts for the reason, because this is all supernatural. Woo. Just turn to someone right now and just say, release the supernatural. Release the supernatural. Release the supernatural. Release the supernatural. <coughs> this is a charge. It's not just, a, it's not just a, a regular statement, but it is a charge for all of us to release the supernatural. My goodness. And it's not just a force, but it's a person. Because <laughs> we don't want it to be just something that's all just kind of just like mysterious. No, it's God. The Holy Ghost on the inside of you. <laughs> And the Lord has always reminded me, he's like, remember, I'm with you. But then don't just remember I'm with you, but remember who I am. So that we're always, always conscious of, God, what is it that you desire to release in me, through me? Someone just say, I'm, I'm staying stirred up. I'm staying stirred up. <laughs> My goodness, so we have a charge to keep. We have an awesome charge to keep. And so I'm excited. Are y'all stirred? <laughs> My goodness. There was this um, movie we wound up watching yesterday uh, with, with my, my, my daughters. We were spending some, some family time together. And I like the title of it. It was this movie called Grace Unplugged. And it was about this young, uh, this, this girl, her father was a, a rock star, a thing of that nature. And, you know, he wound up, you know, having this great hit, but then he got saved and started living for the Lord. And so he was leading up the praise and worship team, and some, some may have seen him, not sure. But then his daughter and he, they were the praise and worship leaders together in this church. <clears throat> so they'd be play, playing and singing together. And then she'd wind up, you know, singing her note and kind of shining just a little bit. And her dad was looking at her like, this ain't, this ain't what I, and her, the, guard, the girl's name was Grace. It's like, you know, this isn't how we rehearsed it. You're playing on the guitar, but I want you to, I want you to play on the piano. And they, they were going at it, too. When they would get home, they would go back and forth. And then she would just get so frustrated. And, you know, she's like, well, you know, you're just jealous. This is my gift. And, you know, when I sung it the way that I sung it, everybody liked it. And it was something because even when watching it, you know, my wife passed the patient. She was like, oh, my God. She was getting all riled up as a parent, like, talking to the girls. Y'all ain't going to talk. We're not going to have these type of discussions. <laughs> like, don't get no ideas. <laughs> yeah, because Victoria over there is like, yeah, you know, because, you know, kids, we just have to express ourselves. We'd be like, mm. <laughs> like, you know, it's just hormones. It's just part of just growing and thinking. Because she's learning about hormones and stuff at school now. So it's like, look, that is not an excuse. <laughs> so needless to say, you know, she's going back and, back and forth. And then uh, one of the guys that was old, the old manager of the, the, the rock star, he comes back, sees him at church after years. And then uh, pre presents him an offer to be able to go on the road, but he just can't sing religious songs. He was like, eh, you know, thanks. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm using my gift properly for the Lord. But the daughter, you know, because she's been behind the scenes looking at celebrities and stuff on the laptop and was like, man, you know, I want to be like, want to be like that. So she's, she sends a remake of her dad's old song and sends it to the guy. And then she flies out without telling her parents 
signs up for the person. The dad shows up to one of her events, and then, you know, they have another argument back and forth. And then it gets to a point where she, she starts trying to fit in. Hear her gift, and she's powerful. But then she starts trying to fit in. And then one of the persons that's her assistant winds up being a believer. He was like, yeah, you know, your dad and I came to a church of ours, you know, you know, some years ago. And she didn't know. He's like, yeah, you know, what you guys did was really powerful. And he was like, it is so good that you're here in the industry to be a light. And she was like, oh, um, yeah. Because that's not her, that was not her intentions. She was not planning on being a light. Long story short, she winds up getting involved with the scenery, winds up, <clears throat> winds up drinking and things. And, and, and thankfully, the girls, they were so, my daughters, they were so intense. They were like, man, what's going to happen? I'm like, girls, this is a Christian movie. <clears throat> it's not going to be anything <clears throat> crazy. But she winds up, they wind up uh, getting restored. She has this moment where she's getting ready to perform this song that they gave to her that had nothing to do with, with God. And it's all about having a one fast night with a boy. And she started getting convicted. I can't sing this. So then she shows up at the church as a surprise where she came from. And then the song, this is her first time actually writing a song because she had all this frustrations, told the people, told the record company before, it's like, yeah, I can write a song. And they were like, yeah, we're waiting for it. She couldn't produce a song. The song that she came up with was horrible. Then the song that she finally does sing in the church was a beautiful song, tears, and then she winds up getting a wonderful deal with a Christian company, meets some Christian believers, and then is able to really use her gift for the glory of God. Now, what was interesting about it was, even in hindsight, her gift cannot fully flow outside of Christ. Her gift couldn't flow outside of the one that she was connected to because she has a designated place in which she was meant to serve. Amen. So what I want to talk about today is this grace gift, but we're going to talk about the service aspect. Amen. When we talk about these spiritual gifts, these grace gifts, as we've read, this is something that everybody as a believer can operate in. Something that we all have the opportunity to be able to flow in on our grace with in one occasion or another. So even as we go through this, don't be like, well, man, this is just them. Somebody say, this is me too. <laughs> this is me too. I want to start off with some principles here. It's in Matthew <clears throat> chapter 20, verse 20 through 28. And it says this, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something for him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand, and one on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. What a strong statement. Sometimes we ask God for stuff and it's the same response. Man, do you know what you're asking for? <laughs> Verse 23, so he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left it's not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but who, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I'm going to say that again. But the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. What a powerful statement. Here Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the Son of Man, the Son of God, did not come to be served, but he said that I came to serve. And so the world has a view on service, and clearly it is not the way that God would have it. The world wants, 
honestly, when you think about it, we're born with a me-first attitude. <clears throat> Man, feed me. Eh, change me. It's all about, it's, all, it's, it's, it's a me first. And that's understandable, you know, as a, as a child, because you need nourishment. You need growth. But if you maintain that same attitude into adult years, then that is just immature. And we see it happen. People that still have that, that me first response. And that's not the kingdom. That's not what we've been graced with. When you think about it, even the acts of service are just an act. We think about, you know, I even think about some athletes, they'll have these nonprofits and charities or people that have these profits and charities and then they show up. But really, in a lot of instances, those are just tax shelters for a lot of them. And a true heart of service is not really connected to that. <laughs> so it's missing. And then even people that enter into public office, they say, yeah, I'm here to serve. But then we see that they really wind up doing corrupt things. And it's more about political gain and, and power and things of that nature. So what the world does is not the way that God would have us to do it. He says this, if you desire to be great in the kingdom, then it's contained in service. It's contained in service. I remember when we were on the missions field, they would say this, especially when you come into a new territory, and you could think you're all big and bad and anointed and things of that nature. But they says, look, when we, when we connect with the ministry here, you take the low road and you go with the flow. You take the low road and go with the flow. So I wasn't going overseas talking about, hey, you know, I'm Pastor Walt and I've done this and that. We're not going overseas with a resume and credentials. We're going over, it's like, hey, we're here to serve. And even though we might have an itinerary, even though we might have an agenda, if that changes, then guess what I need to do? I need to change with it. Because we're there to serve. So it's not like, man, I thought we were going to be doing this. Then we say, man, I was so looking forward to, no, because I came with an anointing and we're going to go. No, if we need to change, then we change. I remember one time that I had to get ready to speak, and we were, this is open. Man, this is amazing because we were out in Kenya. And we, were, we were way out in the field. And I wanted to be able to go out with the team, and then one of the older saints that was there, she was like, no, we need you to stay back here and just sit down. And me, I was kind of restless. I was like, you know, on the inside, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm, 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 I'm okay. She's like, no, just go ahead and sit down. So as I stayed and as I waited, I had no idea what was going to be coming out of me as a result. But it was one of the most powerful um, messages that came forth as a result. And the people that got saved in Kenya and the interpreter, he was, it was like we were one and the same. Because normally you kind of slow down, but I was just, it was just such a grace to be able to release, and then he was right there with me. And then as I got down, he got down, and then we sang the national song. And then people, it was, people started crying. I didn't even know fully what this national song was. I was like, what's the national song? What's the words? And then I was like, well, you go ahead and lead it. And then he started leading the national song, and the people started singing him, singing him with, with my interpreter, and transformation started happening. And that was a great lesson for me. I was like, man, you know what? If I would have been out and about thinking that I was serving and, and overtaxing myself, would have missed the grace that was available and what God wanted to do in that moment. So I had to go with the flow and take the low road so that way the greatness of God can show up <laughs> and not walk. <laughs> we don't want Walt to show up. I mean, we do, but we don't. Like, we want you to show up, but we do, but we don't. And you understand? what We want who you carry, what you bring. That needs to come forth and show up in this season. Amen. And so, again, just want to talk about just a couple of principles, and then we'll continue flowing here. For effective service, I want you to understand is that you serve out of who you are. It's more than an act. It's more than just an act. That's just not connected to you. But this is a life of service. And then what you serve is you actually, the gift that you've been given is of service. And so one principle we know is that the seed of greatness is contained in the gift of serving. 
It's not about just being up front. But it's contained in service. Even when you think about it, in some translations, the word ministry is just translated as serve. Which we're familiar with. But it's just trans- it's translated as serve. So when it says that we were to minister, then, man, they served. Principle number two, which we're aware of, but service is not for men, but it's for God. In Colossians 3, 23 through 25, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. And this is something that we've been graced to do, and we've seen through Scripture. You know, you have grace at even being a service to people that are tough in their personality. God will grace you to be of service to someone that is just hard to deal with. Have you ever had some people that were maybe supervisors or maybe or think in a work situation that were supervisors that were over you and they were like, oh my gosh. Or maybe some type of leader. And then you had to understand, it's like, man, you know what, how I'm serving is unto God and not unto man. And then the scripture says this, whatever you do. Think about it even in the Old Testament. Y'all know Nebuchadnezzar was crazy. King Nebuchadnezzar was crazy, talking about some, we're going to build these statues of myself, and then whenever it sounds, y'all got to bow down and, and pray to me. He didn't compromise with God, nor did he compromise with his service. So much so that even when they were uh, getting ready to throw, uh, actually when they were trying to throw them, no, when they did throw them in the lion's den and in the, and all these crazy kings in the fire pit, they said, oh, king, live forever. That's a heart of service. So if you got a crazy boss, pray for him. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I don't, want, I don't want them to be the boss forever. <laughs> I want them to get out. But God can work on their heart. So again, we work as unto God and not unto men. <laughs> and then with that, we also know, and this is important, that our service, this grace to serve, is not just a volunteer mindset. Volunteers sign up for something and aren't committed. I remember it was Apostle Alice Jones. She just even, uh, some, some years ago, she preached about not having a volunteer mindset. But being summoned and understand just the weight and the importance of answering the call of answering the call, understanding that it's not just man that calls you, but it's the one, it's God that calls you. And so we don't do it as just a volunteer. As a matter of fact, I think about, uh, in, in a sense, I recently signed up to volunteer for this national organization, and I wind up having a conflict. You know, so, something else that going on, it was for the American Heart Association. I was like, yeah, you know, I think it'd be a great idea for me to volunteer and partake in that. But then something came up, and then I just sent an email. I was like, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be able to make it. That was a volunteer, and I didn't even get a response because, you know, they had, they, I, I don't know what they had. If they had a bunch of people, I sent it to the person, whatever the case may be. But as it pertains to God and the work, that is not the mindset that we are to have. When we talk about service, isn't it interesting that we talk about even the military as serving the what? Service. We call them servicemen and women. But it's a different mindset. As a matter of fact, just want to give a shout out to Sarge, who's in the building. I know he's served our, our country, so God bless you, sir, <laughs> for ser- serving our nation as well. <laughs> but it's a different mindset when you sign up. It's something that has to be trained. So in the kingdom... It's not just, hey, yeah, you know, I'll I'll volunteer. Great to be able to sign up for something, but then the mindset that comes with that is different. It's a mindset of ministry and not just something as the world does, but it's like, man, God, I understand that this is a call, this is assignment, this is a grace, and this is important to you, and it's important in the kingdom. (laughs) 
Number three, service is done with a pure conscience. Second Timothy, verse one through three, Paul was telling uh, Timothy, he was like, man, you know, I thank God that I serve him with a pure conscience. So this is what we understand with that, that serving, this grace to serve is not manipulative. It's pure. It doesn't say if I serve, then I can get such and such to happen for me. <laughs> we don't serve just to get people's attention, which I see some people do. But it's something with that. Service is meant to be pure. And then this is the thing about it. When you serve with a pure conscience, as a matter of fact, let's look at it. Second Timothy chapter 1. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life, that's verse 1, that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God, has gave, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When you serve with a pure conscience, what we see here is you have an, an ability to be able to activate the gifts in other people. Because you are serving purely. You'll be able to charge and activate because your service is pure. It's one of the things that, and you know, we, we, we hear it from time to time, that people in, in the body of Christ have felt manipulated in so many different ways because people abused their gifts and did not serve properly. So we serve with a pure conscience. And we can do that because we don't serve men, we serve God. Here's the other principle of service. It's a reasonable act that we see there in Romans verse 12 through 1. What you see is when serving, you present your body as a living sacrifice. You live holy unto God as a part of this reasonable act. You have a life that's acceptable unto God as a part of this reasonable act. And this is the life that Jesus models. Jesus says this, he says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it in eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. <laughs> if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. It is a reasonable act. It is a sacrifice. It is something that's not always comfortable. <laughs> Rarely is. You know, in that training for the military, as they get you prepared for service, it's a whole lot of discipline that goes into place. Because what you came to serve with, there's, there's, there's a standard that they, that, they need, that they need for survival, for the assignment. And so God helps groom us, helps us to groom these gifts that we've been given that has to be cultivated. Has to be nurtured. Let me continue on. We'll come back to that. 
But service is not meant for your comfortability, but for your transformability. There's transformation that happens in you, and then there's transformation that happens through you as a result of the grace to serve. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 36. And it says this, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. Now Dorcas, as we see here, she served her community, in particular the widows, with her gifts of being able to make clothing and garments for them. And then when she died, of course, people felt that. One thing that I think is that, that I believe is that, man, our service before the Lord and even to the people should be felt. It should be a gift that, 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 that is so expressive, that so impacts people's lives that people understand it when it's missed. That it's made such an impact, that it's transformed. And of course, this would just... It may seem as just garments, but it's just something in the midst of serving that's bigger than just what the world can do in their acts of service. I'll go here. You know, when we give a cup of water, it's not just a cup of water that we give. Our ability to serve is something that we are graced to do, and it's an anointing behind it. Working the sound, even in a church setting, working the sound, putting up flowers. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an anointing. It's something that's special. It's something that's impactful. There is nothing menial in the kingdom. There was nothing menial in the kingdom. When I think about even my own journey, because this is something that, you know, when I saw that scripture, when, when, when Jesus, I was like, because... Let me slow down just a little bit. When I was younger, not that I had aspirations to be great in and of myself, but when I saw that key in scripture, when Jesus says, hey, you know what, to be great, you need to serve, I latched on to that understanding. It's like, oh, man, God, I need to serve. And then my life just became availability for the Lord. When, when I track it and see what God has done over my life, I'm like, I always wanted to position myself Look, I don't need a title. Maybe because there's a title in my name, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I haven't Sir Walter, but I was like, look, I don't, I don't need a title to serve. Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. There's things that I've done in serving children, serving youth as a quote-unquote volunteer. I was a volunteer with working with at-risk, what they would classify as at-risk inner-city youth. Some would say trouble. These are the type of youth, when you're trying to help them, they want to fight you. These are the type of youth, when you correct them, they say, I'm going to get my cousin to come pop you. I was like, man. But still in love. And so these are also the same type of youth when you got to be there for them. And you know, if you've ever worked with children, it's one thing to work with your own child. It's a whole other thing to work with somebody else's child. 
It's extra grace. <laughs> it's another level of anointing to be able to work. And so I think about things that I've had to clean up. And you can use your imagination, but things that I've had to clean up for kids on trips. <laughs> Bodily fluids and things of that nature. And it's like, you can't just leave it there. Somebody has to clean it up. And then some people, their stomachs were always queasy. God bless them. They were like, look, I, I just can't do it. I was like, okay, let's, let's get it done. And while I'm there, it's like, mm, thank you, Lord. Mm. I remember another time where we had, uh, you know, I was, this is part of the transition. Because of my service, they wound up seeing it because of my dedication, because of my commitment, I was there as if I was staff, but I wasn't. My quote-unquote volunteering was such a level of commitment that when a position came open, they would say, hey, Walt, we want to put you in this position, and it wound up being increased from where I currently was. So I go from serving and doing what I, what I need to do as a quote-unquote volunteer. So the title, the position was voluntary, but the commitment wasn't. Because I was doing it unto the Lord, not unto men. And then when things transitioned, because, you know, this, was, this actual nonprofit organization was an extension, was an outreach of a church. And it wound up being in a separate facility. So everything, all of the programs for the young people were in a separate facility, which was an older church facility. And as you can imagine, with an older building, there's things that go down. And, of course, this is by the time I go from being on staff, transition to ministry, and as a result of my <coughs> Being on staff, then I become the youth pastor over the ministry. And this was a, a fairly large ministry. Now, I wound up being, because it was some traumatic decisions that took place in the ministry, a big split, everything happened. I wound up being the only person that is in this building all by myself away from the main sanctuary. I'm like a block or two away from where everybody is. I'm still driving. Here, no one's there to to hold me accountable, but I'm still going there as unto the Lord. Nobody from the main, nobody from the, what, what we call the big church, nobody from the big church came and checked up on me. As unto the Lord. It was one time where I came downstairs into the sanctuary part, and I saw all this white stuff flying around, and it looked like snow. Then when I see on the ground, I looked, and I was like, oh, my gosh, these are termites. Because this was an old building. These were underground wood termites, and so they had a nest, and everything came. So you, you can imagine coming down the stairs, seeing all this type of stuff. And me, I'm not a person that reacts a whole lot, but I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus. I started itching. I was like, man. And it was just all over the place. They were just, and it was kind of like, like a dusting, like flurries of snow on the ground. What I wound up doing, I could have been like, man, I'm out. <laughs> Got the vacuum cleaner by myself as unto the Lord. I wasn't doing this as like, hey, look, look at what I did. Look, I'm fixing lights. Look, I'm sitting here and all this stuff. It's like, God, you're with me. And then the Lord calls and, you know, wound up meeting patients. And then here, here we go, uh, transitioning to another ministry. And we left, you know, with, with the blessing because of our service. We left with the blessing because of our service. Go to another ministry. And here, that was my full-time job that I left. Trusting God, obeying God. This has been a track record of, of just serving the Lord, not just men. So now I wound up, and then the bishop at that time, he calls me into his office. He said, God reminded me of your obedience to come. I'm going to bring you on full time as a youth pastor. Way more increase, even financially, but then just, and that wasn't even a thing. I was like, man, God, okay. Yes. Still serving. Even as a youth pastor, get them up on the roof because the gutters had to be cleaned. That roof was cold. The weather conditions that I can't stand the least is freezing rain. I'm out there on freezing rain. I'm like, Lord, geez. 
And I'm with the assistant pass, and we like, look, somebody got to get it done because such and such, they're not going to be able to come out. So we like, Lord. And I'm getting old, wet. How many of y'all ever had to clean gutters before? Old, wet leaves and had to clean. Oh, Lord, nobody's hand went up. Well, God, but okay, some people's hands. <laughs> some of y'all know. <laughs> Cleaning gutters is like, man. I remember one time when I was younger. Here's the thing. That experience reminded me when I was a kid cleaning gutters where I had to serve my parents back in Georgia where the gutters were so full that dirt kind of builds up and dirt builds up in the gutters to the point where worms are in it. And I didn't have gloves at the time, so I'm just kind of scooping out and I'm like, oh my gosh. But it's training of service. I remember in in that, all these memories, (laughs) that we had a next door neighbor, older white lady who was a widow, her husband had passed. In Georgia, they have these things called red fire ants, these ant hills. Some of y'all deep down south, you understand, they are nothing to play with. She had the biggest yard in the neighborhood. If you've ever been in the deep south, you know it's hot, especially in the summertime and muggy. She had the biggest yard. I had a little grass cutting business, but my dad said this. He's like, no, you're going to cut her grass and you're not going to charge her. That was training in me service. And here's the thing that I'm learning. I'm sitting here cutting grass, and, you know, if you're not paying attention, you mow over an anthill. Next thing you know, it's like, Lord, what in the world? Oh, my gosh. And then they will bite you to the point where you can swell up. But I remembered she would come out, and she would see me cutting grass, and, you know, she would try to give me money. And I'm like, look, I can't, you know, I can't take it. Just, you know, this is is for free. And my mom taught me, you don't just cut grass, but you clean up your stuff, you edge, you make it look nice. But she would come out, I'll never forget this, she would come out and give me this nice cold glass of Coke. And that was just so refreshing. And that was it. And then on the inside, when my dad first told me, she had the biggest yard, I'm like, man, I'm like, damn, I can make like 20, 25 bucks. That was a lot back then. It's still a lot now, shucks. <laughs> Put some gas in your car for that. <laughs> but I was, on the inside, I was like, no, but he was like, no. And I didn't fully understand. I'm thinking business, right? I'm thinking business. Man, this is the biggest yard. I can make some money. He says, nope, you're not charging. So now I remembered money is not the motivation for service. When you do something and you do it excellent and you do it well, guess what? You will be rewarded. But then it opens up the doors for God to be able to bless you in any way that he sees fit. So we don't just serve to be like, yeah, I'm going to serve so that way I can get this person's attention or maybe this can lead to, nah, that, that, then that becomes manipulative. But we do it with a, a pure conscience, a pure heart. And so even in serving, even in the church, again, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know this is how it worked. My attitude was like, hey, I'm available. Yeah, I'm just here to help. I, I honestly did not know promotion was connected to that. When I look back on it, I start seeing the track record of elevation as a result of service. That was not my intention. But it opened up more and more elevation, and then it get, got to the point just even um, just serving on staff, volunteering things, to where you wound up to where I wound up having, by the grace of God, influence in the city. Were you able to speak on governmental things and things now that didn't just pertain to youth for a church, but youth for a city? Catch that. The service goes from just influence to locally to regionally. So much so that I even got promoted in this uh, denomination that we were a part of to where they made me the state youth director. Wow, all this stuff is coming now. I'm like, man, I did not know the track of promotion. But when you serve, we see it in the Bible. When you serve with your gift, when you cultivate your gift, when you activate it, it gets noticed and recognized, and then it gets positioned. God positions it to be able to have influence. And I'm just saying this to encourage all of us, man, as we are activating and flowing in these gifts, there's a realm and sphere of influence that God has all of us to be able to impact. It was interesting, you know, how even in this text here, when the Bible names people's names, it's it's important. (laughs) This lady was remembered. And it talks about in the city of Joppa. 
So she was impacting her city. You have a street, a neighborhood, a community that's in need of service of your gift. And so this is a a waking up. Has there been a a gift, something that, and let let me expand this, is there's a gift that maybe that you've been kind of sitting on. Maybe your perspective is like, ah, you know what, I just, nobody's going to appreciate that. God will. I can't say it stung, but it caught me. It was just yesterday, I'm with my daughters, and you know, I'm playing some, some, some Christian rap music on the phone. And then the girls, they were like, Daddy, when are you going to rap again? And I was like, huh. I just kind of chuckled, but then I didn't hear them anymore. It's almost like the Lord's like, well. <laughs> and then you know how you, when you start getting convicted, you just kind of get quiet and be like, mm-hmm. And then he starts talking to you. <laughs> because my oldest remembers the platform and the influence of God using that particular gifting to be able to transform people's lives. She was the only one that's old, old enough to remember the other two, my youngest daughter, who's five, six now, uh, she's the one, she hasn't even really heard me rap. But she starts trying to freestyle now. She starts rhyming. Her limited vocabulary, but she knows how to piece together rhyming words. Like, dun, dun. She's like, come on, Dad. And I'm like, yeah, because I, yeah, 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 yeah. And this is the thing that I encourage them, even after watching the movies, last night because my daughters, they have this thing on the inside of them to where I've heard them say it. And you know how kids will say stuff? You have to be like they say in the scripture. You just kind of listen, just tuck it in your, and ponder it and tuck it in the heart. But one of them in particular has this sense. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be famous. She's been saying it. Yeah, I'm going to be famous. And then my first, my first response was like, no, 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 no. You don't want to be famous because such and such, such and such, because you don't want to be prideful. You don't want to be this. You don't want to be that. And then the Lord's like, hold up. Can I make my name great through her? I was like, oh. she's like, she's my daughter first. <laughs> Your responsibility is to steward the gift. Turn to someone and say, steward the gift. It has to be cultivated. So then after watching the movie last night, I said, come here, my famous girls. And then y'all came running and sat in daddy's lap, and y'all are going to be famous for Jesus, and you're going to make his name great. Like, you can be fashionable. You can be missionaries. You can be engineers. You can be singing. You can do all that stuff, and you can make his name great. (laughs) It made me laugh because I think how the conversation started even in the car yesterday. It's like, yeah, dad's not famous anymore. <laughs> it's like, they, they were kind of laughing. It's like, yeah, daddy used to be famous. <laughs> and I was like, man, what kind of. But in their eyes, because they've seen, you know, kids say from their perspective, it gives you a whole nother perspective. Because if you had stuff that's been on iTunes and on YouTube and And I was like, well, I guess in their eyes, you know, I have had a song that was nationally played on gospel radio with Coco Brother and the whole nine. I was like, man. What the enemy will try to do is try to, (coughs) here, you're cultivating your gift. You're cultivating how you serve. And then he'll throw in seeds to make you think now, or that'll cause you to not cultivate your gift because you'll think it's prideful. Well, no, I just want it to be this small. I'm good just touching just one person's life. But remember, service means that you got to come out of comfortability. Doesn't scripture say your gift will make room for you? And what kind of people will it bring you before? Great. People of stature, people of influence. So we don't ever want to stop cultivating the gift. You know, there's something that um, 
the military people, I'm flowing with the Holy Ghost. The military people, they, they get this thing in their service, especially when you pay the ultimate price of either being wounded or sacrificing your life, the president awards something called a purple heart. Because they just, they just, they gave it their all in their service towards their country, service towards their constitution and things of that nature. And the president, no one else can award this. The president awards them a purple heart. You know, and I say that to say this, when we serve and when we give it our all, I'm not saying that we, we die physically, but there is a dying that takes place to be able to serve because you got to come out of you and into him. And then as a result of us coming into him, we don't get a purple heart, but what we do get is his heart. And that is a reward that no man can produce. Serving, and these, these gifts that we're talking about, it's, it's all a part of God's character. It's, 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 he gives, wow, he gives of himself and he gives it to us. Well, so now we take this heart and we, we take this, this gift and it's like, man, God, I want to nurture it so that way this can be exactly the way that you would have it. Positioned exactly where you'd want it to be positioned at. And when we submit our gift to him, he's the one that can properly train us and get us. And, and then we don't manipulate to try to, to make our gift be such and such. Joseph had a great dream. He was gifted. He, he was interpreted. Can you imagine him as a Hebrew shepherd boy's son trying to negotiate and manipulate his way into Pharaoh? Yeah, I'm going to try to network. <laughs> try to network. There was no way he could. He, he just knew what he saw, didn't know fully what it meant. But then God had to take that gift, had to train that character because some things had to get shaved off now. That's part of the cultivating. But then when it was all said and done, he was like, what you meant for evil, I get it now. God meant for good. Don't despise your training and the cultivating and the gifting. I realized that cutting that grass was cultivating. Cleaning up those termites was cultivating. Cleaning up those kids was cultivating. To where you understand how to care for people. The thing about it, Joseph, he came from a shepherd's environment, and you know what? He still was a shepherd. Just instead of sheep, it was over a nation. Wow. What you have in your service is anointed. It is no small thing. You know, even in business, for those that have businesses and business ideals, you know that's still how you serve. There's profit connected to it, but it's still you're providing a service that people pay for. <clears throat> There's one company in particular that I think of that is known, renowned for their great service. Not only in their products, this is in Chick-fil-A, but in the way that they train. Because if you've ever been to Chick-fil-A, you know their employees are different. I used to say this, but it's, true. it's funny to talk with some friends. I'm like, yeah, Chick-fil-A, we don't lump them with in the same category as other fast food restaurants. Like Chick-fil-A is different. <laughs> you go there and it's an experience. It's just a different experience. They say thank you. They assist you. I'm gonna come back to Chick-fil-A in a little bit, but have you ever been to a store and then you don't know where things are and then you ask somebody where something is and then they just point? People that provide exceptional service, they tell you what outlet on, and then they say, hey, you know what, follow me. Let me show you. And so a part of us for being grace is like we don't, we don't just point the way, but we lead the way. So now back to Chick-fil-A. I remember this, this made national news. This one person that actually wound up being in Virginia, this one young man, uh, you know, the person pulled off from the drive-thru and forgot part of their order. And I guess they have gotten down quite a way for, 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 you know, a little bit of a distance. The young man gets the bag, sprints off like a 200-yard sprint to catch this person in a car. 
Now, this kid was actually an athlete, too. But, I mean, he took off and just like, bam, took off and hands the person their order. Someone else caught it on camera, on their phone. They caught it on their phone and sent it to some news station, and then one news station got it, and then it spread. And then it became national news because Chick-fil-A's employees have a reputation of going above and beyond, but this was exceptional. The brother took the bag, 200-yard sprint. Afterwards, he was like, <laughs> But that service, that service, even when we come coming to the church, I remember my parents, because, you know, they're out of, out of state, and they were talking about, you know, when you, when you go to places, and especially when you visit churches, they said that they were visitors in a church, and they got there, and nobody said anything to them. Nobody said anything to them as a visitor. They was like, man, we were just a, a, a visitor, and they walked out, and everyone, members of the congregation, just kind of got around who they knew, and then my parents just walked out, and nobody said anything. <laughs> Thankfully, man, when you come to Abounding Grace, you're going to get hugged about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least 12 times. Somebody's going to say, hey, so good to see you. You come back, good to see you again. Come back a third time, you family. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because that's God's heart. He gives his heart. And so, again, that's for business. And we know Chick-fil-A, they do things even beyond business. They, they, they serve their community. But how much more so the church? And we know Chick-fil-A is founded upon Christian principles. That's why, why I use them as an example. But how much more so the church? We award it with God's heart. It's like, God, I thank you, Lord, for, for your heart to be able to share and to be able to release. How can I serve? How can I serve with my gift? How can I be a blessing to somebody? Lord, can I do something for this person? Normally I would charge, but Lord, are, are you leading me to do this for someone for free? There's a track record. When we serve, it winds up doors opening up for you. So that way, when you get there, you don't have to manipulate and hook and crook and try to do shady stuff. <clears throat> so someone just thank God right now just for open doors right now. Just for open doors. We don't even know. But God, we thank you for open doors. We thank you, God, for open doors, for serving in the name of Jesus. <laughs> This is something that we are graced to do. <laughs> something that we are graced to do. <laughs> There's one thing that we all want to hear. <clears throat> and Jesus gave this parable about the talents but then he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So that means that we have to be faithful to the gifting that God, giftings that God has given us. With my daughters, when they said, yeah, you know, dad's not famous anymore. When are you going to rap again, dad? <laughs> I realize, and I've said it enough, but I realize it's like, man, you know, I'm the one that put a cap on that. Gifts are eternal. <laughs> That's what we learned, right, last week? <clears throat> I'm the one that put a cap on that. I used to think, it's like, man, I'm too old, and then just some of the health stuff, some of the challenges, like, yeah, well, you know what, it's not going to sound good, and, you know, just being overly critical, it's like, man, because I don't want to be coughing in the mic and things of that nature, made all these excuses, and then here, my daughter's yesterday saying, dad, when are you going to rap again? That's when I realized, oh, 
the father talking through my daughters. Because I've built up stuff not being faithful the way I needed to have. It's like, well, you know what? That was a good season. I did it when I was a kid. That was fun now. He's like, man, you know what? I still need your voice now. I still need your service now because of everything that's going on. It's more relevant now than ever. And we just sang the song, Stronger Than You've Ever Been. There's a grace, there's an anointing now that as you release it, it is stronger now than it's ever been. It's not about age. What you have now is stronger. Some of you know it. Say, what I have now is stronger than it's ever been. Your ability to write, your ability, and I'm just, whatever, because the giftings that you have, we serve God with it. Your ability to talk, speak, dance, play, cook, sing, whatever, help, serve, organize, is stronger now than it's ever been. And there's a grace for us to help keep cultivating this. Like, man, you know what? It's stronger now than it's ever been. We even go back to the Old Testament where Caleb, he was like, look, I'm 80, and I feel just as good as when I was 40. And this is without the Holy Ghost on the inside of him. We got the Holy Ghost and grace. Stronger now than it's ever been. So it's like stand and don't let the enemy knock us off that position. We stand in who God has called us to be and don't allow the enemy to knock us off this position. And then we don't step off of it. I got to share this part just because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this college basketball team named Duke Blue Devils. I saw it, Apostle. I, I stayed up. I saw it on YouTube because I'm, I'm, I'm a fan and I missed the game. And then Apostle, he's like, man, did you see that? I was like, I was like nah, because I turned off at like five minutes, ten minutes in because Duke was getting blown out. And I said, I was like, well, you know what? Well, they just came off a tough win. You know, they beat a good team already. They're young. Maybe, maybe they're just, you know, not ready to play. So I just cut it off. Apostle told me, it's like, man, they came back and won because they were down a lot. When I saw it, they were down a whole lot more later in the game, but by 23 points. But then what happened was one of the star players, they were saying, because they were in, quote, unquote, enemy territory. This was an away game. They weren't at home. And these are some talented young men. These are some gifted young men. But it was some things they weren't all the way engaged. It's some stuff that was missing to where their talents, their ability wasn't fully come forward. And so one of the ladies interviewed one of the players at the end and was like, well, you know, what happened? You know, I guess during halftime, what did the coach say? And he said, yeah, you know, coach, <clears throat> he told us, I don't coach losers. <laughs> Here they were losing bad, but then the coach was saying, look, I don't coach losers. That statement right there reminded me, like, hey, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. Our giftings are not coming forth the way that they are, so then they turn it up a notch. What they started doing, instead of playing, catch this now, because this is terminology that's sport, but it's for life. Instead of playing just half court, they instituted, they played a full court press. From floor to floor. So it's like, look, we're not just going to be halfway anymore. We are full in. And then they switched from playing man-to-man. -man, they switched from, to playing something called a zone. So you have to get in your zone. Allow God for this gifting to be served and to come through by getting in your zone. And then full court press it. Don't be halfway with it. And then they wound up having a dramatic comeback, came back from 23 points, and then you started seeing the sale come out of the fans. It was the homes because they were cheering. They were rockers. And then afterwards, their facial expression started changing. It was like momentum shifted. And you can't quantify it. You can't do something. But do you know that you sense it? So just encourage somebody and say, you are a winner because he's already won. <laughs> see, I need you to get in the zone. 
I need you to get in a zone. I need you to get in a zone. I need you to get in a zone. <laughs> yeah, I need you to get in your zone. Because some of us, you've known what, you, what has taken place once you got in that zone. Once you got in that zone in his presence, once you got in that zone in, in how God has gifted you, ain't nothing like it. Now we're just saying be activated even more so in this thing. Get in your zone. Stay in it. Let's stand. do this as as an activation here, (laughs) but this is a little different. For every member of Abounding Grace, we need you serving, activated, enlisted. My father is a retired Army colonel. So when I talk to him, I say, hey, hello, colonel. We needed every member of Abounding Grace enlisted and involved in some ministry or another. So we can pull out a, just a sheet of paper and just sign up. If there's an area particular or if you just say, place me wherever. You know, they have some soldiers that they just take their test and be like, well, what do you want your uh, MOS? What do you want your occupational specialty to be? And you know what? I don't know. It just kind of depends. Some, some are depending on where they tested. Some stuff it tests, and it's like, okay, you'll be a better fit for this area based upon how you've been tested. But in order to be activated means that the root word of activation is what? Act. <laughs> you can't say, I'm activated, and then you don't do nothing. <laughs> All you did was just shake a can, and you never opened a bottle top. So we don't want it to be, hey, I'm just bubbly all up on the inside. No, but it's got to be opened up and poured out. That's what Paul said about his life. So just lay your hand on your belly right now. (laughs) Some of you have already been enlisted. (laughs) But God, we thank you for activation right now. Thank you for activation right now for the next level. <laughs> the next level, God. Thank you for creativity and how we are to serve. Thank you, God, for serving in the house and then even outside of the quote-unquote four walls. And God, and I thank you, Lord, for promotion. <laughs> Doors being open. I thank you, Lord, that we are mindful. Somebody just say, I'm a committed soldier <laughs> in the kingdom of heaven. I am mindful of my service to God. And I live to hear well done. Yeah. So I declare fresh grace over you now in the name of Jesus. And that your service to the Lord in the kingdom will be fulfilled. That it will be an honorable discharge. In the name of Jesus. And then I heard this actually this morning. I I was up very, very early this morning. But then I just want to release this over you uh, from the Lord up to this point. It says, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. I've seen your sacrifice and it comes before me as a sweet smelling aroma. In those moments where you feel like you have nothing left to give, know that I'm your source. I'm unlocking right now the more. I'm unlocking right now the more. You haven't reached a ceiling, you haven't reached a bottom. What you've reached is my grace of more. Now renew your mind and know you have more. Know you go with more and know you can do more by my spirit. And then our response is simply to say, Lord, you're welcome. (laughs) And then that welcome is just an invitation for more. (laughs) 
Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for speaking to us and even keeping us stirred in even greater sense to serve within the church, God, and even in how we serve, God. May it be exceptional service. May it be service that causes transformation in our communities, in our families, in our workplace, in our government, God, in our states, Father, in our region, God. Let it be known, God, that you are the miracle worker. God, and show us how we can serve. May we pray it out. And then, Lord, may we see what we pray for. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.